we're, we're starting tonight. I sent a little email out today just to encourage folks to put that title up. We're going to be talking for the next few Wednesdays on how to be led by the Spirit. I know this is a, a basic subject that many people feel that they, they have down pat, and, and maybe you do, but there's always something more. There's always something more. So turn quickly to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, and uh, <clears throat> I want you to remember something. This is an important verse to remember anytime something you've heard it before. Verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. To repeat things is safe. Are you here? Are you with me? No, believers, you've got to meditate on this because if you hear stuff in church, you, you come for long enough, you will hear things repeated at different times because the Spirit of God brings emphasis at different times. But uh, anytime I hear Dad Hagen say something, and if you know anything about Dad Hagen, he repeats the same stories that he did for 50 years. And I know a lot of them by heart. I could probably say them better than he does. No, I, I couldn't. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you, you hear it, but I, I never seem to bore or tire of it because I know there's more truth even in those examples that I didn't, get, I didn't extract the first time. Do you know what I'm saying? Once you got that, that orange and you put it on that little dialy thing and you've got your fresh orange juice, if you just squeeze it a bit more, Pastor Happy, a little bit more going to come out. There's always another drop there, no matter what. <laughs> There's always another drop. And so for your, it's safe for us. It's safe for us to hear things sometimes more than once because I promise you on the first hearing, not all of it went in. Are you with me? He says, uh, it's not grievous for me. So the preacher can't find it hard to repeat things. But it's also safe for the people. That means it shouldn't be grievous for you. Amen. Amen. So just, uh, that's why you have to just say, Lord, I may know a little bit about this subject. Most of you probably do. If you've been in this church for a length of time, you're learning how to be led by the Spirit. Some of you are are further ahead than others because we're all at different levels. But I promise you, even the most advanced, you're going to, there's something to learn in this mini-series. So pay attention, listen closely, it will help you. Amen? Now, uh, I want to ask you a question. If you go to, and I've done this, okay, if you go to a denominational person, a Baptist person, maybe a church of God in Christ, or maybe a church of Christ in God, or maybe a, a, a missionary alliance, or just an alliance, take the missionary out. Some of them don't like the missionary. Uh, or, or, you know, the Baptist, or the first Baptist, or the second Baptist. And I think there's now a third Baptist as well. You take all the Baptists and you, and you take, you go to all these different denominations and you ask them, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Not all of them going to say yes. You ask them, do you believe God wants to heal you? Not all of them going to say yes. Some are going to say, well, uh, it may be, if it's his will, you know, people don't understand the doctrine. So they, they say a variety of answers. But if you ask even, even the most barely saved denominational believer and say, do you think God wants you to fulfill his purpose for your life in the earth and lead you into fulfilling that? I can promise you a hundred percent you will get an affirmative answer. There is nobody even in the most uh, religious categories of denominationalism that don't have the basic belief that God God has a plan for me and that he wants me to lead, he wants to lead me in that plan so I can fulfill it. They may not believe in all the other stuff, but most everybody believes that there is a purpose for them. But when you become a Christian, you know, you know something, unlike the atheist, I got a purpose. 
Because God's got a purpose for me. And if God's got a purpose for me, he does want to show me what that purpose is so I can live that out. He may not want to heal me. Probably don't want to baptize me in that Holy Ghost because I don't know about that stuff. But I know he wants me to fulfill his plan. Every denominational person agrees with that statement. But do you know the funny thing? The one, that, the one item that everybody agrees with, the fewest people understand. If you talk to even people in, 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 in Pentecost circles, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Give me examples of being led by the Spirit. How are you led by the Spirit? Give them a scenario that they're going through and then say, now, was that being led by the Spirit? I'm telling you, most people do not understand. Everybody agrees that we should know how God wants to lead us in the path for our future, but very few people seem to understand how this works. Now, in our church, we're a little different because we believe on this very strongly. Like I said in the email today, Dad Hagen said the most important thing, other than being born again, obviously, but the most important thing that you can teach a believer teach a believer is how to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because if you don't understand healing, but you understand how to be led, He'll lead you and how to get healed. He'll lead you in the Scriptures. He'll lead you to the right service. He'll lead you to the right book. He'll lead you to the right preacher. But He'll, he'll help guide you. You don't know something if you know nothing about nothing, like my friend Dennis Tenorino, uh, he used to be, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but he would, he would go up against Arnold Schwarzenegger for the Mr. Universe contest. And in the church I was previously associating at, he came and uh, the pastor was a single lady and she didn't want to be caught with Mr. Universe. <laughs> that would spread rumors. So she said, Pastor Craig, you take him out for lunch. I can't be there because he's too handsome and good looking and muscular. I don't want anybody to see me with him. So we went out and it's amazing. We walked, I took him to the Marche. Uh, that's a place where you go station to station and get your food. And as soon as I, it's amazing. I just like, I just stood and walked with him and it's amazing. Everybody, everybody just turns and look. I mean, he's got, he's just got a regular shirt on, but he just, he's just like a monster. Just like a, a living monster. And, and I just, you know, I just kind of felt cool just being with him. Nobody's looking at me. They're looking at him. But I just felt cool to be with him. And at the Marche, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget, we were sitting there, you know, and, uh, and he said to me, he said, you know, he told me the story about how he, he got into trouble and borrowed money from the mob. And that's not a very good thing to do. Then he couldn't pay it back. Then they put death threats on him. Then, then, then he did illegal stuff. And then he went to prison. And then in prison, there was a hit on his life. And they, and they, they, got, they get information to you when you're in prison, but not through the prison guards. I don't know how they do it, but they get information to you. And the mob got information. We're waiting for you when you get out. We're going we're to kill you. And so he had to go into hiding and he had to pray. And he said, Craig, I knew, listen, this is his words. This is Mr. Universe's words. I knew nothing about nothing. That's how he said it. He's Italian. I knew nothing. I'm not good at Italian accents, but anyway, maybe Joe could help me. Joe, how do you say that? I know nothing about nothing. Yeah, they don't say the G, do they? I know nothing about nothing. And he said, but when you, listen, this, I've, they've never forgotten this all these years later. He said, when you know nothing about nothing, pray in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's good. When you don't know what to do, pray in the Holy Ghost. Because the genius lives on the inside of you and he knows everything about everything, but your mind knows nothing about nothing. And so he said, I prayed in the Holy Ghost in hiding until God gave me a business idea. And he started to sell fitness equipment and made a ton of money 
paid the mob back twice what he owed them. Got him off his back and then started traveling and preaching all over the world. I mean, it was just wonderful how God restored a life from just on drugs and death threats and just nothing, just going nowhere. Might have a great physique, but you're going nowhere. Who cares if you've got pectorals the size of a pickup truck? If you're going nowhere, your pectorals aren't going to help you. And if you don't know what a pectoral is, don't worry about it. That obviously doesn't apply to you. (laughs) When you know nothing about nothing, Pray in the Holy Ghost. I've never forgotten that, and it is very true. Now listen, when you start thinking you know something about something, you stop praying in the Holy Ghost. You still got to pray even if you know a little bit. Because praying in the Holy Ghost is the door of entrance to that spiritual realm where the Holy Ghost can lead you. So have a look, please, with me in the book of Ephesians, if you'd be so kind. The book of Ephesians. I'm so happy that you're here tonight, and I'm so happy to be with you tonight. Hallelujah. It's a nice break from studying how to fly a plane. Uh, I say, oh, Jesus, it's about time I need to think about something else. But it's coming along. It's a tremendous amount of work. I have a brand new respect for pilots. Uh, But anyway, we're getting there. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, let me read it to you in the Amplified Classic. For we are God's own workmanship. Handiwork, sorry. We are God's own handiwork. Where is I lost my place? His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us to take. That means doing good works. That means doing what he wants you to do. Not just in character issues and moral issues, but doing what he wants you to do with your life. Okay? Now watch, if we're going to do these good works, what God predestined or planned beforehand... Listen, that means that he already figured out your life. You don't have to try to figure out your life. I went to the guidance counselor when I was in high school and she said, I'm going to help you figure out your life. And I said to her, I said, I don't need your help. What, that's my job. I said, you can keep your job. I was, I was ornery all the way back then. I said, you can keep your job. I said, because the problem with this school, it was a Baptist school. I said, the problem with this school is that I'm the only one baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I said, that's why none of you know the will of God, because nobody prays in tongues. But I pray in tongues, and I don't need you giving me counsel about my future when I've got the Holy Ghost, who is the counselor, telling me about my future. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting a counselor to help you, do you understand, with practical stuff, with what university to go to. But I'm saying you don't have to rely on somebody else to show you your path. And you don't have to rely on yourself to show you your path. And you don't have to say, well, I don't understand because there's so much pressure on me. God already beforehand picked the path. All your job is is to find out what that path is. You don't have to come up with it. You don't have to try to decide what what my career is going to be. You have to pray. You have to get in God's presence and he will show you because he already picked it. Do you see how easy it is to be a Christian? It is not hard if you're a spiritual person. Not a mental person, a spiritual person. That means you're not just drawing up conclusions all the time out of your mental faculty, but you are quietening that mind. You get down in your spirit and you say, Holy Ghost, if you've already selected beforehand the path for me to walk, then my job is not to come up with it. I don't ever tell my children. It's wrong to tell your children you can do whatever you want. That's what a sinner tells their children. A sinner tells their children, you can can be an astronaut if you want. Now, I know the heart, they're saying, don't limit yourself 
If you work hard, you can accomplish anything, and that's fine and good in and of itself. But I don't let my children, I've never trained them to say, you can just do whatever you want. From that perspective, yes, you put your mind to it, you can go far. But what you should do is you should find out what God planned for you. You can't just do whatever you want. You, sh- you can, but you shouldn't. If I did what I want, I wouldn't be here today. Do you understand? I'd be in Africa working with animals. That's what I wanted. But God, I wanted, that wouldn't bring me joy. I'd probably be eaten already. They like white meat, especially fat white meat. They, they like that. Lots of extra lean. You know what I'm saying, Taylor? They wouldn't eat you because you're too lean. You're lean. You're like a chicken breast. I'm a chicken thigh. People want the thigh, not the breast, brother. My God. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> I don't have to <laughs> I don't have to come up, Jennifer, with what I want to do or what I think I should do. I, he's already picked it for me. My job is to get into his mind. My job is to get out of my mind, out of my ambition, out of my obsession with my thoughts and get into his mind, the mind of Christ. What did you plan? Then if he starts to show you, you go in that direction, he'll make sure all the money's there. He'll make sure all the open doors are there. He'll make sure all the favor is there. He'll make sure he gives you the smarts to be able to do whatever job is at you, whatever interviews. He will take care of every detail with your hard work, mind you. Believe me, he ain't taking care of all the details to become a pilot. In fact, Robbie's taking care of very few details right now. He says, you study the 212 lessons, you do your part. But you see, in the bigger picture, he's guiding. He's giving me the ability. But I have to still participate and cooperate. It's not all God, it's not all me, it's both of us combined. But my point, I don't know why I keep feeling to say this. I don't know who this is for. Maybe you're watching. I don't know. But you don't have to stress about trying to come up with where, what you're supposed to do in life. And you certainly should not do what your parents tell you to do. Did you hear me? Because the parent wants you to be a doctor or a lawyer or something that makes them feel good. But that may not be God's plan for you. Or the parent might want you to take the business, but God wants you to be a doctor or a truck driver or a missionary. You've got to find out what does he want? How are you going to do that? Time with him. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost when you know nothing about nothing will show you everything about everything. He said here in verse 10, he said, I've got plans for you. Amen. This is such an encouraging scripture to me that I've planned beforehand for us. Now watch taking paths, which he prepared ahead of time. He's already prepared them that we should walk in them and what? Living the good life, the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. He makes it so easy. Follow me, pray, and I will lead you. I will, you'll be led by the Spirit if you'll pray. And then you'll take the path that I planned. You'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have prosperity, and you'll have what God calls the good life. Amen. The good life. Amen. Hallelujah. Ferrari has a little slogan. Every one of their vehicles, they have a separate little thing for. And, and, and I, was looking, I was just looking on the web one, one day, and I saw one of their vehicles, and, and the slogan for that particular vehicle is Dolce Dolce Vida, the sweet life. And I said, it's a sign. (laughs) 
it's a, it's a, it's a sign. This is Ephesians 2.10, Amplified Classic. They didn't even know it. God is leading me. <laughs> Listen, God wants us to live the sweet life. Is that, did I say it right? Dolce Vita? Is that how you say it? Dolce Vita in Italian? The sweet life. God wants us to have the sweet life, not the bitter life. He said the good life. The good life isn't broke. The good life isn't marrying the wrong person. The good life isn't sick all the time. The good life isn't depression. The good life, listen to me, I'm going to mess with you a little bit. The good life isn't hating your job. If you hate your job, you're probably not in the good life. Don't despair and don't quit it before you get another one. But go and get into God's presence and say, Father, is there some other path that you prepared beforehand for me to walk in? But I'm not walking in it because I'm supposed to have a good life. But I'm not really enjoying my life. So would you help me because I need your help. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Because he gives grace to the humble. Don't be proud. He knows you far off. But you humble yourself even if you've made a mistake. Even if you did the wrong degree in school. Even if you went into the, got the wrong job at the wrong company, I'm telling you, his mercy far exceeds your mistakes. Are you hearing me? His mercy exceeds your mistakes. He will, if you humble, start to gather you under the shadow of his wing and he'll say, now I want you to do this. Just do it, even if you don't understand it. Why don't you go to night school? Don't argue, just do it. I want you to go and I want you to apply to this job. But Father, that job's not as good and it's farther away. Just do it. Because you don't know who's at that job. You don't know the connection you're about to make at that job that is going to make another connection that's going to give you your dream job. Learning to be led by the Spirit can change your life, can save your life, can fulfill your life, can put you into the good life. And God wants us, He wants us to have that good life. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm just, this. I said we're doing a few weeks, so I'm just kind of still in a bit of a, a base level here. We're talking about being led by the Spirit. One way you're led by the Spirit is you've got to first understand that He wants you to have a good life. Then you've got to understand what you've got to do to get that, which is praying. So have a look with me quickly, please, at the book of Second, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says here, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. As it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard. Now it's talking about your eye, Greg, and your ear. Neither has entered into the heart of Greg. The things which God has prepared for Greg because Greg loves him. Put your name in there. You've never seen or heard the good things. What an encouraging verse. With all the bad news out there, this is good news. You've never seen, eye is not seen, heard. Neither has it entered your heart that means you've never imagined. You've never imagined the good things. Notice he said good things because it's a good life. That he's got planned, planned. That means, remember, he's already planned it ahead of time. Made paths beforehand for you to walk in them. You can choose not to walk in them, but if you walk in what he's got for you, it's going to be good. Uh, You have not seen or heard nor imagined the good things he's got planned for you. I love it that he's planned my life. I don't have to plan it, Taylor. I don't have to try to make this happen. I don't have to try to find my niche. I'm not a sinner. I'm not like the world. The way they talk. When I was very, now listen, you can't do this because you're not me. This is just for me. All right? But when I was young, I was watching a commercial. I mean, when I was a teenager. I was watching a commercial about RSPs. I didn't know what an RSP was, and then I learned and I found out. 
And I heard, the, I heard God speak to me once when I was watching that. He said, that will never apply to you. So I went to my dad, who's a, an accountant and an investment banker, and I said, Dad, God told me that RSPs would never apply to me. He cussed me up one side and down the other. He said, you're going to be a broke preacher anyway. You better have an RSP because when all of the people hate hearing you, and I promise you that day will come, and they kick you out of that church, you better have an RSP to fall back on. My God, God love him. Got to love him. But now that's not for you. That's for me. Don't, don't take, you've got to be led. But see, God's leading me. See, that's called being led by the Spirit. He said to me, that'll never apply to you. Years later, I said, Lord, what do you mean? Shouldn't I plan accordingly? And he said, well, you can have investments. He said, but RSP is a retirement savings plan. And he said, I forbid you to ever retire. So why do you ever need an RSP? Then I found in the Bible that ministers don't retire. And ministers that do are probably not being led by the Spirit. Are you listening? When the call, when you get to 65, the call doesn't have an expiry date. Like the salad dressing I had today expired three months ago. <laughs> but it tasted just as nice. <laughs> but that's a, it's called the shelf life, brother happy. It's called the shelf life. There is an expiry date. Uh, a minister does not have an expiry date on his call. If you turn my call upside down, it doesn't say made in China. And there's no expiry date. It says made in heaven, and it says for as long as there's breath in your lungs. Now, for me, I'll never retire. I don't even, I don't plan for it. I don't have an RSP, and I never will. Why waste my money? I use my money in investments, but I don't use my money in retirement savings. Now, that is kind of an investment. But I'm saying, see, I've got to know what that means for me. But most people do retire. So you have to be led by the Spirit in how you prepare for that so you don't get to that age and have nothing. People that get to that age and are destitute weren't led by the Spirit. Because the good life does not include destitution. Do you understand? I can't retire because the call doesn't expire. So I have to just keep going. Even... If I, I was going to say, if I got no teeth, you know, I just, I'd be pre, I'm just going to be preaching no matter what. But I'm not because Caleb had lots of teeth and he had no glasses on and his eyes were not dim. So I've got that spirit of Caleb. We've got a different spirit, right? We're a spirit of faith people. We're going to go long and we're going to go strong. Praise God. Our life is a Hail Mary pass. You don't know what that means, but anyway, praise God. The men do. It's a long, we're going long haul. I'm going to the end zone. Praise God. But we got to be led by the Spirit so that we don't get sick and we don't have heart attacks prematurely and we don't get in trouble with natural law. Me too. We've all got to be led by the Spirit. And God is, and if you'll pray, God will lead you. But let me, let me give you a little clue. A lot of the times he doesn't lead you in areas that you necessarily like. Because I was praying at the beginning of the year because Dad Hagen said pray every beginning of every year and make sure that what you're doing that year is pleasing to the Lord, especially if you're traveling or different things. So I laid before the Lord and I spent time praying and I said, Lord, now what do you think about all these things? And God answered me. He said, I don't want you to do a lot of international travel this year. He said, he told me what I can do. I had a lot of other trips. I had to cancel them. And he said, now I want you to stay closer to home this year. I want you to get the plane finished this year. And then, and then, and I said, oh, that's okay. That's okay. I wanted to go to a couple trips really bad. So that kind of, I said, okay, Lord, I'll die to that. I'll obey you. Then he started talking about my health. I said, Father, why don't we just pause on this for a second? You're very busy. Very busy up there. And, and I've got things to do. 
I've got to go buy a pizza right now. So what, this is not the right time to be talking about this. And I'm telling you, the Lord raked me over the coals and he, and he started talking to me. Now see, this is called being led by the spirit. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't like talking about it. I felt, to be honest with you, a little sensitive that he was touching something that was a little bit sensitive to me. But if you're led by the Spirit, he's going to touch sensitive parts and non-sensitive parts, things you want, things you don't want. He's trying to protect you so you can live the good life. So he started talking to me. You better do this. You better do this differently. Better do that differently. And then he said, now I want you to research. And I said, why do I have to research? Why don't you just tell me? Research health things. He said, well, that's because I don't want you to be lazy. You go ahead and research that. So I did. Took a long time. Took about 40 hours. I researched health different things. And, and the Lord didn't just drop the answers in my spirit. People think being led by the spirit means you've got like a little magic cube that is going to drop answers anytime you want them. Sometimes the answer is go and study for 40 hours. And sometimes he drops the answer and you don't need to study for 40 hours. You don't get to choose that. All you do is get to listen. And if he says, now I want you to study this, then don't say, well, why can't you just talk to me? Just study it. I want you to eat this way or I want you to, listen, when we deal with people and and, and relationships, especially people that have mistreated you or people that you don't like, you cannot like somebody and be walking in love. There's lots of people I don't like. Nobody in this room. But outside this room, there are lots of people I do not like. Now, I don't go as far as Brother Roberts in the flesh, Brother Roberts, Richard Roberts in the flesh, when he said, everybody knows somebody that needs to die. <laughs> now, I'm not going that far. Maybe he's, he'll get away with it, but I won't get away with that. So, uh, I, but, there's, but I will go this far. There's a whole bunch of people out there I don't like because they're not trustworthy and they're backstabbers and they're liars and they're cheats and they're jerks. And that's not, that's not a lack of love. That's just calling the truth. They are jerks. How many know somebody who's a jerk? I'll put up both hands and both feet and all five toes and ten toes and ten fingers. But just because I don't like them, just because I don't trust them, just because I wouldn't invite them, you know, for, for, for close, intimate, you know, dinners and, and become my best friend, my BFF. Just because I wouldn't do that doesn't mean that I'm not walking in love toward them. You cannot trust somebody. And love, walk in love to them. You cannot be somebody's closest friend, but still walk in love to them. If I see any of the ones I don't necessarily like in the natural, I would be the first one to give them a hug and genuinely because my heart has love toward them. I don't hold aught and their count is clear with me. I hold nothing against them. But because of how they've acted, that doesn't mean I'm going to trust them. Trust is earned. The love walk is different. The love walk you do by faith, but trusting somebody, that is earned. Do you understand? You can love everybody in a local church, but certain things have to be earned. The trust factors for leadership and other areas have to be earned. Do you understand? Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm saying that, but whoever that's for, you don't have to you have people think, oh, the love walk, it means I got to like everybody. No, you can, you, you can love people without necessarily liking them. Do you understand that? Praise God. He wants to lead us in our relationships and how we treat people. And half the time, he will, he will focus on your failures before he tells talk about the other person's failures. And oftentimes with me, he doesn't even bring up the other person's failures. And I have to remind him of their failures. And then he tells me he doesn't need me to remind him. He's well aware, but that's what he's dealing with them about. That's not what he deals with me about. What he deals with me is my attitude, not their attitude. 
Do you understand? They got a bad attitude. That's their problem between them and Jesus. He's not going to talk to me about their attitude. He's going to talk to them about their attitude. But he's going to talk to me about my attitude. And if you're led by the Spirit, he'll deal with your health. He'll deal with your thinking. He'll deal with your relationships. And not all of them you're going to feel good about. But that's being led by the Spirit isn't necessarily feeling good, but it is in the long run good. He'll deal with you about your sex life. He'll deal with you about what you do with your hobbies. Are you listening? And if the hobby is in its right place or not the right place, because some hobbies take the place of your, they they become an idol to you because they're more important to you than your relationship with God in the local church. I'm serious about that. If you're led by the Spirit, a lot of people say, I don't know how to be led by the Spirit. No, you do. You just ignored the last 19 things he told you. And then now he's maybe silent. Why? Because you didn't do what he told you before. So why don't you go back to the last thing you know for sure that he led you on and say, Lord, I'm going to make, an, I'm going to make a conscious effort. I'm going to obey you in this area. Are you with me? People think being led by the Spirit is just like a little get out of jail free card where anything you need, you just like, like a little, you pull it out of your pocket and you got an answer. It doesn't work that way. Now, there are times where you will have that kind of quick, instantaneous experience because you need it. But a lot of the times it is a slow burn. Yeah. And he'll tell you one thing and you wait for you to do it. Yeah. And he's, listen, let me tell you something. God is patient. Oh my he'll God. wait for 10 years for you to do something. Look at Abraham. He told Abraham what to do, and he went and got jiggy with another girl. Oh, no. I'm telling you. <laughs> he did, didn't he, Greg? He went and had some fun, and he shouldn't have, because that wasn't the plan. Now, listen, as soon as, I'm thinking fresh friends now, as soon as he, he, he went and, and did the thing that he shouldn't have done with Hagar, listen to me, you read the Bible. God did not say another word to him for 13 years. Best way to get God to not talk, just sleep with the wrong person. That's it. You're done. (laughs) My God. He did not hear God say one thing for 13 years. And the, I believe the only reason that, that, uh, that he did finally talk to him is because at 13, that's the, that's the bar mitzvah, now Ishmael is a man. God waited, look at God's justice. He would not kick out, he would not start the plan and hurt that little kid. Even though the kid was conceived wrongly. But the child itself is innocent, right? So he waits all the way until that child is no longer a child. Now that he's a man, and now that he can take care of himself or, or from their, 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 their way of thinking, we think 13-year-old is nothing, but back then that was a man, and now he can take care of his mother and things can start changing. God waits that long until now he's in another category of life where he'll be okay, and then he starts talking to Abraham and say, now that that mistake cost you 13 years, but now I'm going to talk to you, and the very soon after that, he had Isaac. And then when Isaac was being weaned, which is about two, three years old, God didn't want the brothers being around each other. He doesn't want the flesh with the spirit. So then he says, now, that was probably about 16 years old at that point. Now he says, now, now you have him leave. But he didn't do that and hurt that child. Even that God wanted that child to have his daddy around him. Think about how just that is. Ishmael conceived in sin, not the plan of God, the opposite to the plan of God. We're still dealing with the problem today. And God still in his mercy would not want that baby raised without a daddy. Because if Isaac came along, Ishmael would have to go 
and then he would not have a daddy to be around him. And God in his mercy, his justice says, I, you made the mistake, but the boy's not suffering for your stupidity. So I'm going to let that boy, you're going to raise that boy and love that boy all the way till he's a man. When he's a man, I'll let him go. And then the will of God will start coming to pass if you listen. I'm telling you. It matters that you're led by the Spirit. I know that's an Old Testament thing, but still, God had led him by speaking to him and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. He didn't listen. He didn't follow the leading. Got into his soul and his flesh realm, cost him 13 years. And in the New Testament, it's the same type thing. Uh, some people say, God won't speak to me. He'll wait a long time for you to obey the last thing he said. So if he ain't talking, it's not his fault. You're missing it somewhere. Humble yourself. Don't come up fighting and saying, why won't you talk to me? I'm a tither. I have tither rights. You better talk to me. That's the wrong way to handle the tither rights statement. Yelling at God, <laughs> telling him that you've got tither rights. He's likely to have that angel slap you with a wet noodle, so just be careful. You, you come humbly before him. Father, if you're not talking, something's wrong with me. It's not anything wrong with you because you're perfect and I'm not. What did you ask me to do? What did you prompt me to do? And listen, a lot of people I've noticed over the years of pastoring, they'll come up with the strangest things. I don't know why I'm just kind of flowing. Ever seen a river? It goes like this. That's kind of how I'm doing it. They come up with the strangest things. Well, God told me to do this. And I look at them. Really? God told you to do that. One person said to me, God told me to stop coming to church on Sunday mornings to stay home and pray. Mm -hmm. So I said, open your Bible, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, 25, and read it to me. And I explained to me how God led you not to come to church in relation to that scripture. Well, I can't. Right, because you didn't hear. Or you heard a demon, or you heard your flesh. Because God can't lead you in violation with the scriptures. I had one man years ago come to the council room and said, agree with me for a new wife. Oh, I swear, Greg, he, he had read about praying the prayer of agreement. He put his hand, he said, pray the prayer of agreement with me that my wife will either die or leave and I'll get a new one. Now, I, I said, now, sir, I, I can't do that. I can't. And if your wife does show up dead, I'm calling the cops because I'm recording this conversation and I've heard you say some things about your wife that you shouldn't be saying. I can't get an agreement. That's not the scripture. God is not leading you that way. Now, those are obvious things, but some things are not as obvious. But people still, can I, I don't know why I'm off my notes. I'm off my notes. Help us, Jesus. But I, I just, that's, uh, that's being, this is called preaching by the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is spontaneous inspired utterance that you did not previously know. And sometimes I stay more in my notes and sometimes I don't, but I have to, although if I don't, I'll grieve him. Now, you might not say, agree with me for my wife to die or leave. That's pretty obvious. But let me give you something that happens all the time, even in our church. Pastor, God has told me to marry this person and I'm going to marry them in three months. Now, you see, that's much more subtle, isn't it? They're born again. They qualify according to scripture. They're born again. And, and they may sometimes they even come to our church. But then, but in my spirit, there's a grieving. So what do I do, Nigel? I know they're wrong, but they're convinced the Holy Ghost is leading them. So I don't want to break their spirit, but I also can't put my stamp of approval because then I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, uh, why didn't you give them godly counsel? 
So then what I normally do is they, because most people, no matter how many times I say it, they don't come and ask for advice. They come to give me updates. Everybody, you should write this down. Don't give me updates. You lose the pastoral anointing when you do that. I've said it a hundred times. People still do it. I don't need your update. I mean, if you want to give me one, give me one. But that's not what my job is for, is for you to give me updates. The pastoral anointing cannot help you if you give me an update. If you're coming to take my time and yours, that means you want the pastoral anointing to help you. That office. That office only helps if you ask for counsel. If you just say, I've come to update you, what do you do? You put your lock, you lock the handcuffs on me. And all I can do is sit there and listen and nod my head and nod my head. And in 99.9% of cases, God won't let me say anything because you haven't asked. And if I get to give you counsel without you asking, I violate it. In fact, I've manipulated you. Only very rare occasions when it's so serious, the outcome would be so, so catastrophic. He'll let me interject even though they didn't ask. But in vast majority of cases, I'm very, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there. I don't look at, I look like I'm just in my hammock, but on the uh, inside, I'm on the edge of my seat listening for their first statement. Pay attention. Pastor, I've come to give you an update. Then I go, oh, crikey. Pastor, I'd like to, I'd like some counsel. Okay. Now my office stands up. How can I help you? I'm not going to control you. I'm not going to, you can do whatever you want. This is not a, this is not a, we're not a cult. We're not tell you what to do. You can do whatever you want. I don't care. You can't just live however you want or you can't come to this church, but you can do make decisions however you want. You want to marry somebody in three months? Go ahead. I, it's not my life. You're the one that has to live with them, not me. But you see, when they come to give an update, I can't help them. But when they come to get asked for counsel, I can help them. So just pay attention to that. And then when they say, now, if they say, I want counsel, and I'm really, I'm in love with this person, and, we just, and I just, you know, it's just like, just go on now. Just, okay. So I just let them talk, because they're so excited about their lovey relationship. And I was too, when I, so I, I know that's exciting. And so I let that, and oh, praise God, that's wonderful. And I'm just going to get married in six weeks. And then I check my spirit, because I personally don't have an opinion. But the Spirit of God has an opinion. And if I'm grieved, but they've asked for counsel, then I step into the pastoral anointing and I say, now I'm going to give you counsel because you asked for it. The worst thing you can do is what you're saying. The Holy Ghost is not leading you that way because I know the Holy Ghost better than you. Why would you want a pastor where you know God better than me? It doesn't even make sense. My whole job, my, the reason I get up in the morning, the reason I breathe air is to know God. That's what I'm called to do. So I have to know God better than you or I don't qualify to be your pastor. I have to pray more than you. I have to seek God more than you. I have to have more experience. And sometimes it's harder as a younger pastor. I'm kind of a little getting a, a further and further away from that as the years pass. But when I was younger especially as an associate pastor, and people twice my age are coming for counsel, it's harder for them to receive because I haven't gone through life like they've gone through life. But they still have to humble themselves because the office has counsel that their brain and my brain doesn't understand, but it will come up out of, the, out of my spirit from the office. But as you get older, people find it a little easier because they don't stumble over the age as much. Do you understand? Now I can counsel them and I can say, I do know God more than you, whether you like that or not. And I'm telling you, I know by the inner witness. I know it. I know God longer than you. I know this is not right. 
And then if I don't know if the person, sometimes I know the person isn't right and the timing isn't right. Other times I just know the timing isn't right. Most times the person's fine, it's the timing. And I'll warn them. You know what, Jenny? People say, I want to be led by the Spirit, but the Spirit of God can lead you through your pastor. Now, don't, don't stumble over that. The Spirit of God, listen closely before you attack me with the, the tar and the feathers. I can see you stirring the pot in your mind. You're about to tar me. But Pastor Craig, the, Lord, the Bible says, and Brother Hagin says, that we are led by the Spirit of God. And I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, not by you, not by you, not by you. I said, not by you, but by the Spirit of God, I'm going to be led. Well, that is very true. You are led by the Spirit of God, absolutely. But listen to me. The Spirit of God can give you counsel through a divine association, not just anybody, a divine association that he's put in your life. He can give you counsel through them because for whatever reason, you're not hearing right. Now, if the counsel they give you doesn't bear witness with your spirit, don't take it. Are you listening? So you're still being led by the Spirit because you're ultimately going with your inner witness. But I've gone to Pastor Nancy. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to help you. These are a little deeper things. I've gone to her and I've said, I said, I feel in my heart to do this. And she'll, and she'll say, uh, I, I don't have a witness about that. I, I don't think you should do that. Okay. okay so, so like, uh, but I have to be led by my spirit. But she says, I, I don't really think you should do that. Like, like the Winnipeg church, Dr. DeFranny, I, I, I don't. He's not going to control me, but. I left away saying, bless God, I know how to be led by the Spirit. I got, I got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to be led. I'm telling you. I'm doing this. And I did it. Complete and utter failure. Lost the church $15,000. I went back and doctor said, I told you. I said, but I've got to be led by the Spirit. And he said, I didn't push you because I wanted you to learn this lesson. That's a very valuable lesson. He said to me, listen closely because I'm trying to help you. He said to me, Sometimes you think you're being led by the Spirit. But you can't tell soul from spirit, Hebrews 4.12, because you're not mature enough. So God will use somebody that is divinely associated, only usually one or two people, very few, that, that you trust that have a, di- a divine connection to you, that he put in your life. For me, it was him. And he said, sometimes you think you're being led, but you're too immature to tell the difference between soul and spirit. And that's why I'm here to protect you. Now, I am able to tell the difference between soul and spirit better than you. I'm more skillful than you. And I knew it was wrong. So my job is not to control you, Craig. My job, this is how he said it to me, is to cause you to turn your gaze. I'm just trying to get you to consider another option. Is there another option here? Because I know you're wrong. What you should have done is really prayed about what I said. Because if you had of, then the Holy Ghost would have borne witness in your heart that the counsel I gave you was superior to the counsel you had to begin with. I'm still being led because he has to bear witness inside me. But I'm going to be, I'm going to understand, oh, he had me just look somewhere different when I prayed about that. Then yes, ah, ah. So back then I wasn't dividing soul and spirit spirit skillfully. And and this is right, but he's not leading me. I'm not being led by him. I'm being led by my spirit, but he helped me turn my head. Do you understand? So I tell people, I'm helping you turn your gaze. Do what you want, but I'm telling you, you're making a mistake in this, in this marriage. You're making a mistake. It's going to hurt you. You're going to come back to me and say, I wish I'd listened. Because I know the Holy Ghost better than you. And I'm the safety net. I'm the protection. So you still have to be led by your spirit, but I'm asking you to turn your gaze. You're so focused on this heading. Would you consider that there's another heading? 
that maybe six months or nine months or maybe a different person altogether would be better? Would you just look there and pray? A, a very few people ever do that. Because they, they, they accuse me and say, you're trying to lead me. No, I'm trying to turn your attention so that you'll pray so that God can lead you. But I'm trying to get you to turn to what God is doing because you're on a heading that's not what God is doing. Because you're too immature to know the difference between your soul, that's your mind, and your spirit. That's why you have a pastor. That's one of the biggest reasons. So that major decisions you make can be filtered, not controlled. That's the shepherding movement. We don't tell you what you can and can't do. That would be wrong. It is simply a filter, but only if you ask for the counsel, not if you update me. Then I can, that office, see, it's not me. I'm not a smart person, naturally, but happy, but the anointing inside of me, that office is very smart. And that anointing can rise up with information that I don't even know myself. And I'll just know that I know by my spirit, even though it's not really because of my mind, it's my spirit. I know it in my mind, but it came from here. And I don't know why I know it. I just know this is a mistake you're making. Don't, I'm not leading you. I'm asking you to turn. Look at another option and pray. Because if you pray, I believe God will show you that's the right option. You know how many people do that, Taylor? Let me, let me give you a realistic statistic. Out of the last 10 counseling sessions that I've done that with, do you know how many out of the 10 did that? Zero. In this church, zero. Zero people let the Holy Ghost guide them through the counsel of their pastor. Did you say the word I worded that? Didn't guide them through me. Guided them, God guided them, but through the counsel of the pastor. That is permitted. It's not permitted for me to say, you do this because I tell you to. That's not how this works. Okay, you do it, then it doesn't work. Then you have a right to blame me. No, I simply say, I'm giving you counsel. Now you go and pray and let God show you that that counsel is right. Zero percent in the last 10 major meetings. And every one of them, they've had trouble. And every one of them, I've gone up to them afterward. Sometimes a year, sometimes years. And I'll say, the trouble that you're having, do you think you should have listened? Every one of them have said, yes, pastor. I should have listened. Why didn't you? I was convinced that I was hearing God. And that's the problem. Everybody's so convinced that they know God when they don't. And you know why you don't? Because you don't pray enough. You don't pray enough. Because you're busy. Because lifestyle is so fast-paced, you don't have the time to wait before God the way you should. So you're making decisions out of your mind, but that's so close to your spirit, you feel it's your spirit, but it's out of your mind. And then you get a little scripture verse, or your friend says something, and now you take that as a confirmation. I got the confirmation. And there's a, see, there's a, there's a problem being too convinced. Yeah, that's right. yeah. It's dangerous to be too convinced, especially if, if you're not vetted. Are you listening? And even I, I have a, I have a structure over me. And, and like big things about the building, big things about the plane, big things that's going to cost the ministry money, big decisions that I make. I go to my pastor and I say, Pastor Nancy, I just want to ask you, do you have, is there another look, direction I should be looking? Turn my gaze if you think I should. But don't tell me everything's good in your spirit if it's not. And she'll say, percentages, it's getting better. That she'll say, I have complete peace about that. Proceed. Thank you. That's confirmation to me. Now, are you listening? Because I'm making a major decision with the pastoral filter. Now I am convinced. 
but until I get her say so. Now that's not manipulation and control. That's wisdom and understanding the pastoral office. If you know Pastor Nancy, there's not one controlling bone in her body. She, she doesn't care about what you do from that perspective. But, but she does respond in that office if somebody puts a demand on it. And so I put a demand on it. And, then, and when she tells me with that filter, now, then I am convinced. But until I check, I'm not talking about little things like what car to buy. Although that can be a big thing to some people. I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about major decisions. Big decisions. I always check because I don't want to take the chance of getting so convinced that I've heard and been led by the Spirit. But really, I might be listening to my ambition. I might be listening to my soul. I might listen. Are you listening to me? I might be listening to something influencing me out of hurt feelings. A lot of people are led by insecurity more than the Holy Ghost. A lot of people. Uh, Especially in relationships. Relationships are so complex. They're not like buying a suit, a car. It is so complex. I can't express to you how complex getting married is to somebody. There are so many moving parts. It is a living organism. It is so complex. And a lot of people are making decisions because they're out of fear. They're afraid they're going to be alone forever because they feel they're ugly and nobody is ever going to now show interest in them. Or they're worried about money and they need somebody because they're so concerned about being able to pay for things and they need another income. And there's a lot of motivations that they'll say, I'm convinced it's God, but it's out of their soul realm, out of a need for companionship, a need of insecurity, pride. I don't want to be alone. There's a lot of, I'm just talking about relationships, but in other areas they're less complex. But people can be so convinced. But their conviction is based out of the soul realm. But listen, Hebrews 4.12 says that, that, that the word of God is powerful and active living, sharper than any Jewish or dividing asunder soul and spirit like bone and marrow. Able to judge the true thoughts and intents of the heart. But the doctors tell us bone and marrow, there is no divisive line. Bone and marrow blend. The Bible says your soul and your spirit blends. But the Bible says, unlike bone and marrow, there is a dividing line because the word of God divides asunder between soul and spirit. Are you listening to me? What is the word of God? If you've got, if you've got a scripture verse, this is the written word of God. But if you noticed, Andy, it didn't say you can't look up the book of Craig chapter six, verse nine, Andy, please marry Carol. Blair, please marry Sandra. It's not there. There's general instruction. This is general word. But you could also say the the word of God divides soul and spirit. Not just the scriptures. Although it includes the scriptures. The rhema spoken word of God from the spirit of God in your heart. That is a word of God. It will divide between what you think is your mind and what, you, what you, is your actual spirit. But most people don't wait long enough to hear the word of God come to them. Because to get that word that divides your soul and spirit, not just the scripture, because if it's specific, you need more than a scripture. God could use a scripture symbolically for you. And he could speak to you from that perspective. But many times he'll speak directly to you. And you can say, God told me, God spoke to me. That will divide soul and spirit. But I'm telling you, in my experience, most Christians do not wait long enough on God to get the word of God, rhema, in their life. They don't. Now, if they do, then then they've got it made. So my job is to help you make sure that you divide it right. But I can't if you update me. 
But if you say, I ask for counsel, immediately my office stands up. Immediately my radar goes, bleep, 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 bleep. And then I'm listening, and then the Holy Ghost goes, nope. Or he'll say, yep, and sometimes he'll give me specific, and sometimes he doesn't, but I know that I know that I know because that office is working for you. It's not just me. That office is working for you. Now, if I say I wouldn't do that if I were you, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying I suggest you turn and look at this direction. Make your own decision, but turn and look at this direction because the Holy Ghost, I pray. Now, let him guide you and show you that that counsel is right. And I'm telling you, most people, so I say we talk about being led by the Spirit, but this is a very practical way of being led by the Spirit because most people think they are, but they're, but they're basing it on their soul, on their insecurity, on their ambition, on their pride, on a lot of different things. And then they'll try to take things to confirm it. You can pull out something I say and make it a confirmation, but it may not be a confirmation. You'll know if something is a confirmation because the Holy Ghost will bear witness inside of you and you'll be, "Ah, there it is, I got it. But you can't just take something I say that is naturally in line with what you want and say, oh, there's my confirmation. That's manipulating the confirmation. That's your mental ascent taking the confirmation. But if it's in your spirit, you'll know it. You'll know it in here. Are you with me? I kind of went a little bit off, off, off. I got out of the airport pattern today. I'm supposed to be in the pattern. None of you know what I'm talking about. That's okay. But I got off the pattern because, because the Holy Ghost wants to help people. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I, and I just want to say that sometimes if I'm not able to see somebody or, or meet with somebody, whatever, there is a divine, and you got to understand this. This is supernatural. There is a divine, not natural, there is a divine delegation of a pastoral anointing. And if I ask Taylor or my wife or or Greg or somebody else to meet in my stead, if I ask them to, do you understand what I'm saying? Because some people don't understand this. And what they do is they get fleshly. I want the pastor. If you want the pastor because you want the pastoral anointing, I understand that, but you need to understand how things work. If I delegate to somebody by the Holy Ghost, a divine delegation puts that anointing on them for a a season of time. If I say, Taylor, I want you to meet with Reverend Sandy, I want you to talk to her, and I'm delegating this to you, I don't have to lay hands on him because I've already laid hands on him. The, The anointing, the pastoral counseling anointing comes on him. Now, he doesn't stand in that office all the time because he's an associate. But when he's doing those kind of things, when he's standing in this office to preach, that divine anointing comes on him. But it will lift off him when he's done because he doesn't need it all the time. When he stands in that counseling office, sits in that counseling office, that divine delegation will come on him. Listen to me. And it's the same as if I'm there. He may not have all that. Listen to me. He may not have the life experience that I have. He may not have the ministry experience that I have, but the anointing, which is what we're after, not life experience, inside him that has been delegated by me will rise up within him and answers and counsel will come for you by the Holy Ghost because of a divinely delegated anointing. And it does not matter whether he is doing it, my wife is doing it, Greg is doing it. It does not matter as long as it's divinely delegated because that same anointing will work whether I'm there or not. You don't need me there if you've got the anointing in that person there. Well, you've got to be spiritual. I'm looking for that anointing. I don't care necessarily who the hose is. I'm looking for the water. I'm a blue hose. He's a pink hose. She's a green hose. But it don't matter the hose color. What matters is you get the water. 
But some people are so obsessed. I need the blue hose. I need the blue hose. I need the blue hose. And then they get in and they think I should have taken the green hose. <laughs> because they don't like what the blue hose said. Then they go to the green hose. They don't like the green hose. They call back. I'd like to meet with Reverend Taylor, please. Maybe the pink hose will ha- give me my answer. <laughs> you don't need somebody necessarily with the most life experience. You need somebody with the anointing and the delegated pastoral office. That office stays on me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But that office comes on Taylor at times and then lifts off him. If he goes and pastors his own church, it will come on him to abide. But while he's doing things for me, when he's there typing on his computer, which he does. (laughs) The anointing is not on you to do that. But if he calls somebody on a phone call to talk to somebody and give them counseling on the phone, that anointing comes on him. When he stands in the pulpit, that anointing comes on him. When he sits in the counseling, that anointing comes. If I've asked Reverend, Reverend Sandra to tell, which I have many times, that anointing is delegated. That will come on her and it will come up from within her. And what she's saying is by the Holy Ghost, it's the same as if I'm there. Yeah. You see, I'm talking about, I, I don't, people don't understand how these things work. So they get so naturally minded and obsessive about who they want to talk to. Yeah. Are you with me? So we, we kind of rolled a little bit around tonight, but I just, we'll get to it a little bit better than next, not better, not better, but just different. We'll get different a little bit more on my notes because I've got some great notes, some good scriptures to read to you. But I just, I just want you to understand that my, your job is to pray in the Holy Ghost much. Pray in the Holy Ghost much. And if you do that, you'll find the Spirit of God will lead you more. Hallelujah. On, not on every decision, but on big decisions, go through the filter of an office. In case, just in case, you might think, but you're really in your soul, but you think you're in your spirit. Then that office will help you. But then when the, if the office tells you something you don't want to hear, don't get offended. You know how you don't get offended with me? Pray for me before you come into the counseling session. Lord, I thank you for my pastor that you've anointed him to help me and to speak that I'm putting a demand on that anointing. Now, Lord, whatever he says, or whatever is by you, Holy Ghost, whatever he says by your unction, I won't be offended with it. Whether he agrees or whether he doesn't agree, I will not be offended with it. Then you come with a pure, clean heart and there's no, and there's, 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 there's no baggage. And then I'm not under pressure because sometimes I can feel people, they're pulling, they're pulling on me to give them an answer. They're pulling on me because so much weighs on that answer. But I can't violate what I know. There's times, Greg, where people come in and I know before they come in that they're wrong. And then they come for an update. And I just go, thank God. Did you get it? I don't want a confrontation with them. I don't want to hurt them. And I know that sometimes they're proud. And they're not going to receive what I say. So when they come for an update, I sigh a sigh of relief thinking, good, I don't have to give them advice anyway. I can just sit here and nod my head. And the Bible says, comfort the feeble-minded. When you come and you're wrong and you won't ask for advice, you're a feeble-minded person. And I just say, oh, that's great, brother. Amen. Oh, amen. Wonderful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we go home. Accomplish nothing, but they get to feel good. But you come for counsel, not updates. Then I'm going to talk, but, but you can't get upset. Because you've got to be humble enough to say, uh, okay, are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. So what did we learn? You can, be led, you can be led by the Spirit directly and solely. You can be led by the Spirit 
through the counsel of a divine association. But you're still the one being led. I'm not leading you. Hallelujah. And how will you lead? Pray more in the Holy Ghost because it will open things up to you. It's 902. Oh, I thought it was 910. So I've got about one minute left. So let's read these verses and then we'll close. Jennifer, we're going to read these verses right now and then we're going to close. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, not as it entered the heart of man. You have not even imagined the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now watch now. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. That means being led by the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now verse 11 is like a pause. Okay, he's just talking a little bit about what he just said, but you really could put it in brackets. For what man knows the things of a man, say the spirit of a man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Let's go back to verse 10 and then skip verse 11 and go to verse 12 because that's easier to read. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you should freely know. Why is it that so few people know? If you've got the Holy Ghost, you should know. That's because you don't spend time with him enough. Which things? Now, that's it. Jenny, he says the great things that he's planned for us. Things. Remember the word things? Things is a very broad spectrum word. It could be anything. You have not imagined, Nigel, the things, which could be thousands of things, that God has prepared for you. Now, we see that in verse 10 that these things... The, the Holy Ghost searches out the deep things of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of which of God, that we may know the things, what things? That he's prepared for us. That we may know the things freely given to us. Now watch verse 13. Which things? You see the word things? This is the same things that it says there in verse 9 that he's prepared for you. This is the same things that the spirit of God searched out in the, in the depth of the Father for you. These are the things that you have a right to freely know. This is your future. This is what Ephesians 2.10 says is the plan, the paths that he's made beforehand for you to walk in them. That plan, your future, everything you need, that's the things. Now, what does it say here? Which things we speak? Well, how can you know to speak if it says that your mind is not Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither have you even imagined what these things are. How can you talk about them if you don't know what they are? Watch now, which things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. What's that? English. But which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the things that we're speaking are by the Holy Ghost. These things that we need to know for our good life, we got to say, but we don't know them in our mind, so we speak them. Now, this is primarily talking about one area, but it could also be talking about a second area. Those things we speak. The things that we're speaking are the things that he's got planned for us. How do we speak him if we don't know them? Because the Holy Ghost knows them, so you speak him in other tongues. That's how you speak him. But there's a second way you can speak him. If you get the interpretation of tongues or the gift of prophecy, you could speak out about your future. I'm talking about in your prayer closet in English, but by the Holy Ghost. You didn't know it until it came up. It's called inspired utterance. And so what I do is I say, Father, the things you've got planned for me are so good and I have a right to know these things, so I'm going to say those things out in tongues. What am I doing? I'm praying out my future. I'm praying out the things that he planned for me. Are you listening to me? If I'll do that, he can lead me. Because if I speak those things out, all of a sudden what happens? English words start bubbling up out of my spirit and I begin to interpret the tongues I've just said. 1 Corinthians 14 says that you can ask to interpret 
and I'll start to now speak in English what those things are so my brain can catch up and I can do it. Or I'll interpret my tongues, which is basically the same as prophecy. It's just an extra step. So I can actually say it out and speak it out in English. But let's say I'm not, no, I'm not interpreting my tongues. Taylor, God has got some things planned for me. And he's got some things planned for you. The more I say, Father, I pray these things out. And the more you do that, the more I'm laying a track. Now, if I don't interpret or speak in prophecy at that time, I don't worry about it because I'm praying it out. I'm praying it out. It could be a day later, a week later, a month later. I wake up and I don't know where it came from. It downloaded while I slept, but I wake up and I go, I know what to do. Many times I've said that to you, Jenny, I know what to do. Yeah. How? You didn't know last night? I don't know where it came from. Yeah. While I slept, it uploaded from my spirit to my brain. Right. Yeah. Right. That can happen that way. Amen. Or there could be a word of prophecy in a church service. Now you know what to do. Or he could give you a scripture. Now you know what to do. Or you just have a, yeah. you just go and just, just one day it just drops inside your spirit. You say, I just know what to do. Yes. I just know what to do. See, you prayed it out. Now you're knowing. So now you can be led by the spirit. Amen. Or you could pray it out and then interpret or prophesy. Now that's English. Now you know because you've just said it. Now you know what to do. Now you're being led by the Spirit. But if you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, He cannot lead you. He will in His mercy because somebody else prays for you. But, he, but don't, don't rely on other people's praying. You get your own praying. You say, Father, I'm not relying on somebody else just in case they don't pray for me tomorrow. I'm going to rely on nothing but me and you. I'm going to pray this out, these things I'm going to pray, not in man's English, not in man's wisdom, but in the words the Holy Ghost gives me. I'm going to compare the spiritual things in my spirit for my future with spiritual words that I'm speaking. And now you're going to, now you're going to lead me. You're going to show me. Whether I interpret it, whether I prophesy, whether it's a scripture verse, whether it's in a service, whether it's a dream. Whether it's, I just know it when I wake up, whether it's, it just, I just have a deeper and deeper sense of the cement settling in my heart as the days pass when I'm making it. And it's a different way every time. He's not always going to lead you the same way. Now watch, there are trends he will lead you more in certain ways because learn those trends. But that doesn't mean he can't lead you differently if he wants to. So don't get so stuck on your trends. There are patterns that God has with me, but I'd never get stuck on them. Because every now and then he'll do it a different way. He'll just do it a different way. Sometimes I'm talking and my wife will say something. Or my brother-in-law will say something. Or my staff member will say something. And my spirit will go, boop. I feel it. It goes, boop. And the Holy Ghost says, there's your answer. But Lord, why can't you just talk to me? Because I didn't want to. I wanted to talk through your wife this time. You understand? I wanted to talk through, uh, I've watched things on, on the television. And God's uh, talking about nature. And I hear the Holy Ghost say, there's your answer. What? But there's something that's happening there that he's using symbolically. Jesus said, look at the birds. So he used nature. There's something symbolically he wants me to see. And, he's, and he goes, I, I, okay, Lord, I got it. I got it. I got it. Other times there's people talking. Other times I'm reading the Bible. Other times I have a dream. Very rarely, but I have the dream. And I wake up and I go, there's my answer. You see, that's called being led by the Spirit, but the ultimate way is that inner witness. And no matter how the other ways come, it has to filter through the inner witness. If I'm causing you to turn your head, you still have to judge the inner witness. If you get a dream, please compare the inner witness. Because it could be a Domino's dream, a Papa John's dream, a Pizza Hut dream. It could even be a Subway dream. You just never know. But compare it with the inner witness. You okay, Jennifer? <laughs> I could only think of three pizza. Please, anyway. 
Let's compare it. Let's compare it with the inner witness. Pastor, I go to scripture. Does it bear witness in your spirit? I got a word of prophecy at church. Does it bear witness with your spirit? I had a dream. Does it bear witness with your spirit? You got to know it in here. The only way you're going to know is if you have a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, you're going to know little prayer life, little knowing. Great prayer life, great knowing. Are you listening? I didn't say great reading life or, or being well read and versed on political subjects. I said great prayer life, great knowing. So pray more. It's easy. You can start tonight. You can start on the way home. Just don't close your eyes on the way home. Keep your eyes open and pray in the Holy Ghost. In the shower, pray in the Holy Ghost. Cooking eggs, pray in the Holy Ghost. Get into a lifestyle habit. Get into a lifestyle habit. It doesn't go in just in the prayer closet. I have that flow. I have that flow. I have that flow. The other day, Rob, I'll close with this. I, I, I was just, just in that flow all day. And I got, <laughs> I, I, and I was just thinking, I was quiet. I wasn't talking. I was just med I was meditating on something. But I'm just so used to praying. I got to the, 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 the Tim Hortons window and the lady said, it's, a, it's a, this. And I went, my store. And I was like, oh my God. And I said, thank you. It just, tongues just came out without me even, just spontaneously, because I'm just in that flow. I just, I can almost talk to people like that without even realizing I'm doing it because it's my flow. Now, I'm not, I'm not like that flow every day. I'm not that great. But some days are stronger than other days. You can get to the place where you just, it's just coming out of you. It's just bubbling out of you. You better watch who you're talking to because they do not understand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these precious folks. Lord, I felt their hunger tonight. I felt their demand on that office tonight. I felt that they stirred themselves up tonight. And I thank you that you helped them a little bit. Lord, I, 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 I tried to minister by the leading of the Spirit, not just by stringent notes. I thank you, Father, that if they'll pray more, they'll be led more. I thank you, Father, that there's a divine filter in the office if they'll ask for counsel. I thank you, Father, that we have to learn. We have to learn not to be so convinced in our soul and think it's our spirit. We have to get that word of God to divide. And we have help in our church through offices to assist us. We're not in this alone. But we do have to pray and take responsibility for a strong and continuous prayer life if we're going to be spiritual people. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, if they were to go to very many churches, there's very few that would teach on this. Because I've learned that many people do not understand the subject, even though it is the most basic subject that everybody agrees that they should know. So, Father, thank you that we're in a church that's teaching this. Thank you for Dad Hagen that taught us. Thank you for Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne and others that were, are and continue to be great examples to us. And, Lord, we want to be spiritual people being led by the Spirit. Help us to grow in this. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.